Well, good morning. Hey, thanks for sliding in to be with us today. And I say sliding because I went to take the uh, recycling out this morning and I couldn't tell if there was ice on the driveway or not. So I just proceeded as if there wasn't and there was. And I didn't wipe out, but I did surf all the way down my driveway. Didn't wipe out. I felt like I was in the Winter Olympics. It was pretty awesome. Hey, I don't know what these first few weeks of 2018 have been like for you and your family, but for us at the Neville household, can I just be honest with you and say, it's been a little chaotic. We have had lingering sickness in our home that will not go away. Every time we think it's gone, it comes back. And it started right about the first of the year when one of our boys got really sick and went down for several days. And about the time he got well, you know what happened next, right? Another son got sick. And then the other son got sick. But then the unthinkable happened. Mama Bear took the hit. And I don't know about you guys. My wife doesn't get sick very often, but she went down hard And I'm going to be honest, we barely survived. We survived on pancakes, eggs, and toast because that's what I knew how to make. And we did that for about a couple, you know, three or four or five meals. Uh, But it was was rough. And as it turns out, our family has had a double order of the flu, a side of strep, and the stomach bug, right? So you're probably thinking, get this man off the stage and get him out of here. I'm the last man standing in our home. It's been chaotic. And I know this sounds dramatic, but there was one point a couple of weeks ago when my wife and I, we looked at each other, and we just had this look like, we are at war. Something is here that has got to leave. There was a five-week stretch where someone in our home was down for the count for several days at a time, and we just knew there were people dropping left and right, and it was time for us to call in the big guns. And so we went to a strict regimen of vitamin C every morning for our family to boost our immune system. And I see some of you nodding your heads. You've been here, right? We disinfected every surface, every hour on the hour, and enforced a strict hand sanitation policy, right? If you were going to use your hands, put something on them first, right? We didn't want anybody else getting sick. And in the end, we knew that extreme force was going to be necessary. So you know what we did? We dropped Lysol bombs, We burned bed sheets and clothing. We wanted whatever was in our house to get out. And you laugh because you've been there before, right? But here's the worst part of the whole thing. Every time someone got sick, the rest of us were quarantined from the rest of the world. Our kids missed several days of school. My wife missed several Sundays of church because she was at home with a sick kid. We had to break plans with friends. In fact, at one point, our friends just started ignoring us. They wouldn't answer our calls or they ignored our texts because they didn't want whatever it was that we had. And, and I don't blame them. I mean, we're looking for some new friends, but I don't blame them, right? But it, was, it was bad. Now, we've all been there before, right? There is a virus. There's some bacteria that sneaks into your home and it wreaks havoc on your immune system. And before you know it, someone in your family is out of commission for several days. And here is the worst part about the whole thing. You cannot see with your eyes what it is that you're fighting. But there is lots of evidence that there is something at war against your body. And trying to figure out how, when, and where to attack it and to get rid of it can be frustrating, it can be draining, and it can even be scary. Well, here's what's even scarier. The same thing that is true for our physical bodies is very true when it comes to our spiritual life and well-being. In the same way that there are invisible bacteria that war against us, there are invisible forces that are raging in a battle against us every day, all the time. And so today we're starting this new series called Unseen War, and it's all about exploring the realm of the unseen spiritual, supernatural forces that are all around us. Because here's the reality. 
what we see in this world isn't all that there is. In fact, throughout scripture, we find numerous examples that teach us that there's a lot more to this world than meets the eye. And so in this, spirit, in this series, we're gonna be learning how to open our eyes to the spiritual realm and the realities that are around us all the time. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna be discussing some really interesting topics. We're gonna ask, well, who is Satan and where did he come from? And what are demons and what are angels? Those are interesting things, right? But more importantly, we're gonna learn how to put on the full armor of God. We're gonna learn how to live by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can fight against the powers of darkness and evil in this world. Now, before I go any further, I just wanna stop and lay some ground rules. Because some of you are probably freaked out and thinking, I just want to sneak out. I don't know what he's talking about. Get me out of here, right? Because we all come at this from a different perspective. Maybe some of us have been taught to look for an angel around every corner or a demon under every rock. And some of us have not even taken the time to think about this. Or maybe you're struggling to, to believe that any of this exists in the first place. And no matter where you're at on that spectrum, it's okay. One of the resources that we've been using as a teaching team to prepare for this study is a book by pastor and author Chip Ingram called The Invisible War. If you want to go deeper with us over the next several weeks, you might want to buy one of these. I've downloaded the audio. It is fantastic. This is what our, uh, our connection groups are going to be going through as we go through the sermons these next several weeks. But this is what Chip Ingram says about this topic. He says, the danger as we approach this topic is to think that everything has to do with Satan and demons or nothing has to do with Satan and demons. C.S. Lewis said it like this, when speaking about the reality of Satan and demonic activity, the danger is twofold. To put way too much emphasis or way too little. And so as we move forward, let's just agree that we're not gonna go too far to either extreme, but we want to be aware of the evil forces that are at work against us. We don't wanna give them more power or credit than they deserve, but we wanna be aware of who they are in the havoc they want to wreak on our lives. Now, in John 10, 10, Jesus addressed the reality that there are forces of good and evil at work all around us. This is a very familiar passage. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And here we find Jesus speaking openly about the reality of the forces of good and evil. Evil wants to destroy, but Jesus has come to give us victory and to show us how to live in spite of the evil that is warring against us. So with that in mind, let's agree that over the next several weeks, our goal is going to be to become mindful of that spiritual reality and the battle that's going on all around us. So today, as we kick off this series, we're gonna look at a topic that I bet that you've thought of before or maybe you've been curious about, but I'm gonna guess that you've never heard any teaching about. I know that that was true for me. And the subject is angels. Now, New Testament professor Andy Angel, that is actually his name, Andy Angel. I, I am not making this up. I looked him up to make sure he was a real, a real guy. He says this, belief in God is generally socially acceptable. But even among religious people, there can be something of an embarrassment surrounding the subject of angels. Now, in a 2016 Gallup poll, they, they Gallup surveyed people and asked them this question, what do you believe to be true about angels? 72% of adults believe in angels. 12% are unsure, and 16% confidently deny the existence of angels. So I have a question for you. Actually, I have two questions for you. Here's the first question. What do you know or believe to be true about the existence of angels? Have you ever thought of it before? But here's the second question, and maybe this one's even better. Why does that matter? And what does that have to do with your everyday 
life? Well, believe it or not, we're going to jump in and find a way to answer that question today from Scripture. So regardless of what you know or believe to be true about angels or demons or spiritual warfare, I want to invite you to follow along with me through a fascinating story that's found in the Old Testament. And there's two men in this story. One appears to be completely unaware of the spiritual realm all around him, while the other is very aware of the reality that there's more going on than what we can see. And so if you want to follow along, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6. That's on page 256 in the Bibles around the room. As you turn there, though, let me give you a little context of what's going on in 2 Kings chapter 6. The king of Aram is at war with the king of Israel. Okay, and we've got this on a map here. This is Israel. You'll notice the kingdom of Aram up to the, like, northern Israel. Now, pay attention to that city, Dothan, to the south a little bit, okay? Pay close attention to that city because it's going to come into play here in just a little bit. But here's what's going on in this story. The king of Aram is trying to attack the king of Israel. But there's a prophet in Israel named Elisha who has this gift to be able to tell the king of Israel where the king of Aram is going to go. And this happens time and time and time again. He's able to outsmart the king of Aram by saying, hey, don't go there. I would go over here instead. So we're going to pick up the story in 2 Kings 6, verse 8. And it goes like this. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp at such and such a place. The man of God, that's Elisha, we're going to meet him in a second. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel saying, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard against such places. This enraged the king of Aram. Imagine if you're the king of Aram. You cannot figure out why every time you go to attack your enemy, he moves. This enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and he demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? One of you has to be a traitor. There's no way this guy can always know where we're going. Well, look what happens next in verse 12. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Now, that's not awkward, right? I mean, who is this Elisha guy? How is he able to do that? Well, look at verse 13. Look at what the king of Aram decides to do. He says, okay, we'll go out and find where he is, the king ordered. So I can send men to capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan, the city we just saw on the map. Then he sent, now pay attention to this. He sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city. So the king says, okay, if that guy's the problem, we're just going to take that guy out. And so he sends strong forces to the city at night to capture Elisha. Now I think there's one thing that the king hadn't anticipated. Don't you think that if Elisha knew that where the king was moving his armies, Elisha probably knew that he was coming, right? Well, they sneak in at night, and look at what happens the next morning. Verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Now, have you ever had a morning like that? I'm going to guess you've never gone to the front door and there's been an army that's waiting to overtake you. But have you ever had a morning where before your feet ever touch the floor, it feels like the sky is falling? It feels like you're playing from behind and everyone and everything in the world is against you. I see you nodding your heads. Me too. 
And, 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 and on this day, this is what the servant of Elisha sees. But maybe for you, it's the fact that somebody in your family is sick, or they're still sick, or they're really sick. And it's starting to freak you out a little bit. You don't know what to do. You've gone to the doctor and you've sought treatment, but you don't know what to do. Or maybe for you, work is spiraling out of control. And you're missing deadlines and you're losing sleep. The boss is looking for answers and heads are getting ready to roll and you are stressed. You do not know what to do next. Or maybe you're a student and the pressures of life and school, they are just, they're crippling. And you don't know how much more you can take. Or maybe you and your spouse are at odds, and just when it couldn't get any worse, the next thing happens, and now you're at war all over again. Or maybe one of your kids has mastered the art of pushing your buttons, and you're pretty sure that they're trying to stage a coup at home or maybe even take over the world. And you're standing there, and you're looking at the physical reality of the world around you, and you're completely overwhelmed. And just like Elisha's servant, you say, oh, my Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm not sure how much more of this I can take. Get me out of here, except there's nowhere to go. I'm trapped. Well, if you have ever been there, or let me say this. Maybe you're there today. Maybe it took every ounce of energy that you had to get out of bed this morning just to get here. Or maybe it's not today. Maybe for you it will be tomorrow when you have to go to work or you gotta go to school, or you have to see that person, or you have to have that conversation, or you gotta go do that one thing that you've been putting off, and it just feels like all the forces of the world are working against you. If you have ever felt overwhelmed to that degree, I have some good news for you. I think Elisha is gonna address this issue and pay close attention to what he says and what he does. Look at what he says in verse 16. He's talking to his servant who's freaking out. He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I want you to imagine you're Elisha's servant. You woke up, you went to get a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden you look out and there is an army set up to take you down. And you rush back, you're, doing a, you're being a good servant. Uh, we probably need to get out of town. And Elisha's response is, would you just chill out a little bit? Now, I'm going to give Elisha the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he had his morning coffee. I don't think his brain was functioning properly yet. Because look at what he says. Hey, don't just chill out. Those who are with us, who's us? Those who are with me and you, the two of us, are greater than those who are with them. That, that big army out there. What, what is he talking about? Well, look at what happens next in verse 17. Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of, what are they? Horses and chariots of fire that were all around. And at the very moment when the circumstances seemed hopeless and impossible, right when the physical realities of the world was, were completely overwhelming, Elisha prayed, and God opened the servant's eyes. And for a moment, what had just been invisible became visible. There was an army of invisible warriors. Did you catch what it said? Horses and chariots of fire. They were prepped and they were ready to go to battle for Elisha and his servant. Now, I'm going to take a moment and we're going to hit pause on that story. I would encourage you to go home and read the rest of that story. It's fascinating. But we're going to stop here and ask a few questions. What did they see? 
Well, I believe they saw an army of angels. And so we're going to ask three really important questions about the existence of angels. Where do they come from? Who are they? And what do they do? So let's start with that first question, where do they come from? Now, if you go back to the very first verse in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you go home today and you read Genesis 1-1, here's what you see. In the first three days, God forms the heavens and the earth, and then he comes and he fills the heavens and the earth. In his book, The Hum of Angels, Scott McKnight writes this, The Bible's cosmology is that God created the earth and the heavens. He populated the earth with what we would call visible earthly creatures, humans included. But he also made the heavens and populated the heavens with what are to us invisible heavenly creatures. Now, most of these creatures are good and we know them to be angels, but I hate to break it to you. There are some of them that are not good. They are evil. And they are known as Satan and his demonic forces. And we're actually going to talk about them more next week. But right now, let's focus in on what Elisha and his servants saw. They saw angels. So who are angels? Who are they? Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about who angels are. Have you ever been to a funeral and heard someone say, oh, I guess God got another angel today? We've all heard that, right? That's actually not theologically accurate. That's not taught in Scripture anywhere. The most important thing that we can know about angels are this. Angels are not people, and people are not angels ever, okay? So this is an inaccurate picture. That's just not what angels look like. (laughs) Angels, isn't that good? Angels are not these fat little babies that play harps. We don't go to heaven. I mean, if that's what heaven's like, I don't know. Somebody said, turn it off, take it away, take it away. So here's what we do know to be true. You can take that down. Here's what we do know to be true about angels. In the same way that mankind are created beings. Angels are created beings. They are as perfect as any created being can be. They are supernatural, but they're not divine, and they play an important role in the spiritual realm. Now, the word angel in the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament means messenger. That's the simplest definition of the word. However, there are, easy for me to say, there are a variety of titles that you find throughout scripture uh, when, when you talk about angels. There's the holy ones, Okay, they're referred to as the holy ones, or they're referred to as the heavenly hosts. Now, when you hear the word heavenly host, think of the angels worshiping God. There are the armies of heaven. We just saw that in 2 Kings 6, didn't we? And then in Genesis and Job, there's this phrase used that's called the sons of God, referring to the fact that they are created beings. So that's who angels are, but here's a really important question. Okay, well, what do angels do? What, what do they do? Now, the writer of Hebrews says this. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? The writer of the book of Hebrews says angels exist by God to assist God's people. And if you want to jot this in your notes, there's three basic things that angels are, have been created to do. They protect, they provide, and they proclaim. They protect they provide, and they proclaim. Now, let's, I'm going to give you a few examples of each one of those really quick. When you look at the story of Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel gets tossed into a den of lions. He's supposed to be eaten right away, right? But what we find is he survives the night, and when he crawls up out of the pit, the king says, Daniel, how did you survive? And they, these are his words, Daniel 6.22. He says, my God sent his angel 
and he shut the mouths of the lion. I remember learning that for the first time, and I was fascinated. Daniel didn't run around to avoid the lions. An angel came and shut their mouths. In Psalm 91, verses 9 through 12, we learn that if you, the psalmist writes, If you say the Lord is my refuge, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in every way. God sends angels to protect us. Now, they also provide The best example of of this that I can find is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. This is right after Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days. He's fasted. He's been tempted face-to-face by Satan. And at the end of his temptation, look at what Matthew 4 says. The devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Now, the word for attended in Greek here is the same word that's used to describe someone who serves someone else food, which would be which would make sense, right? Because Jesus had fasted for 40 days. But it can also mean someone who attends to the spiritual needs of someone else. I think the angels maybe did both for Jesus after he had been tempted in the wilderness. In Acts chapter 12, an angel provides for Peter by breaking him out of jail. Okay, so we see different examples throughout scripture of this. Now, angels also proclaim. They protect, they provide, and they proclaim. Now, I want you to think about this. You know this one. Who spoke to Mary, Joseph, and the, and the shepherds about Jesus' birth? Angels, on different occasions. An angel came each time and said, there's a baby that's going to be born. There's a baby that's going to be born. There's a baby that's going to be born. The same thing was true with John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. An angel came to his father and said, you are going to have a son. On Easter morning, when the women go to the empty tomb, who's waiting for them to tell them that Jesus had rose from the dead? It was an angel. When Jesus ascends into heaven, two angels appear and say, hey guys, go do what he told you to do. He will return the same way that he left. So they proclaim, they come with messages for believers. Now here's the most important question of the morning. All that's really fun information to learn, isn't it? Here's the most important question. What on earth does that have to do with me and you? Why why does that matter? What's that going to do for us tomorrow at work or later today when we get into it, right? Well, here's why it matters. Because just like Elisha and his servant, we are at war. Whether we like it or not, we are at war. And it's way too easy for us to allow the physical issues of the world around us to blind us from the spiritual realities and the spiritual forces that are at work against us. Now, let's be honest. We live in a broken, messed up world, don't we? And there are just things that are going to happen because the world is not functioning the way that God intended it to, right? So that's one thing. The other thing is if we make a dumb decision, we shouldn't expect anything but a dumb result, right? So we don't want to blame Satan for everything that happens. That's giving him way too much credit. But I think we need to consider what Chip Ingram writes in his book. He says this, at the same time, when we go through difficult circumstances, we get to thinking that the problem is our spouse or our boss or one of our kids, But what we often fail to realize is that behind those things, there's an arch enemy. And he wants to use the circumstances of our life to distract us, to discourage us, to discredit us, and even to destroy us. That's what he is bent on doing. The reality is that we are at war whether we like it or not. Now, when you came in this morning, hopefully you received one of these little army soldiers. If you did not, you can get one on the way out. But if you have one, I want you to hold it in your hand for just a moment. And here's why. I want this to serve as a reminder to you that we're at war. 
We're at war. There is an unseen war that's taking place all around us all the time. And here's the thing. There are eternal implications to this war. People's eternity hang in the balance, and our enemy knows that. Now, Satan is our enemy, and his goal is to destroy God's people and to discredit the cause of Christ. He is not to be taken lightly, but he does not need to be feared. So this week, here's the challenge. I want you to take this little soldier, and I want you to put it somewhere in your life where it needs to serve as a reminder that there are forces of evil at work against us. Okay, And maybe it's a relationship for you. Maybe there's a relationship that's blowing up, and you need to put this somewhere that you remember. Every time I'm in that relationship, there's more going on than meets the eye. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's something at home or something at work. But put that somewhere. When you see it, you will be reminded to pray, and I want you to pray for specific things this week. Just like Elisha prayed for his servant, pray, God, will you open my eyes? eyes. If you want to jot these down, the first thing you can pray is, God, open my eyes to see that the battle is real. Open my eyes to see that the battle is real. Now, one of the verses of scripture that we're going to use for the next several weeks comes from Ephesians chapter 6. When Paul wrote this book, this letter to the Ephesian church, he ends it by talking about spiritual warfare in particular. And this is what he says in Ephesians 6.12. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, But it is against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Those are Paul's words, and they are not to be taken lightly. So pray that God would open your eyes up to the reality that there is a very real battle going on all around us that we cannot see. Secondly, pray that he would open your eyes up to the reality that you are not fighting alone. I am not fighting alone. We are not fighting alone. And if there's one thing that we can learn from the story of Elisha, they weren't fighting alone. God was in control. Think of how everything changed when their eyes were open and all of a sudden they realized there are forces at work around us. And the same is true for us. We've learned from these scriptures. God has angels that are wanting to fight with us and for us. We just need to be aware that they're there. Number three, pray that God would open your eyes up to the reality that our strength comes from Jesus. Our strength comes from Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6.10, Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul knows we're going to need to muster every ounce of strength that we have, but we don't have the strength that we need. He says, be strong in the Lord Jesus and in his mighty power. And finally, number four, pray that God would open your eyes to the reality that you can stand firm and experience victory. You and I can stand firm in this battle and we can experience victory. One of the most fascinating things to me about this Ephesians 6 passage, if you, it's at the bottom of your notes, read through it and circle this later when you're by yourself. Read through this passage. Three different occasions Paul instructs believers to take our stand against the devil's schemes, to stand our ground. And the very last thing he says, when you've done everything else, you stand. There is a battle that is to be fought. And the truth is, we have victory in Jesus. Chip Ingram appropriately notes, we do not fight for victory. You and I are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Victory. When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin and death. 
The victory is his. We fight from his victory with his power and with his strength. Now, there's a great example from, the, from World War II that I think that we should consider. Because even after there was a truce that was struck between Japan and the United States, did the battle end? It took a while for the word to get to the opposing forces on far Pacific islands. You know what they did? They continued to fight, and there were casualties. Now, Jesus claimed the victory 2,000 years ago. Our enemy hates that, and he is not stopping. He is going to continue to war for your life and the souls of your children and your coworkers and your neighbors. He is not going to back down. Our, con- our battle continues today. But here is what's amazing. Jesus promised he is going to return. And one day the battle will be over. But until then, our responsibility is to stand firm. Now, what does standing firm look like? If we're in a battle and Paul's instruction is to stand firm, what exactly does that look like? Well, the best example that we have of this is Jesus. When Jesus was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and Satan shows up and they're face to face, Jesus didn't pick a fight with him. He didn't swing a punch. You know what he did? He quoted scripture to Satan and he prayed. That was his protection. That's how he stood firm. The night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he knew what was going to happen. He had told his disciples, they're going to come and they're going to take me. And he went to a garden called Gethsemane. And he prayed. He prayed so fervently that he was sweating drops of blood. He knew that he was going to be betrayed by a friend. He knew that he was going to be beaten. He knew that he was going to be crucified. He stood firm. And three different times he prayed, Father, let this pass. Father, let this pass. Father, let this pass. But not my will, but yours be done. That's what standing firm looks like. There is not a better example of what standing firm is going to look like other than the example of Jesus. And so as we admit We are in a battle. Let's agree to stand firm and to pray that God would give us eyes to see that the the war is raging around us, to give us eyes to see that there's strength that comes from Jesus and and to give us the strength that we need to stand firm as we wait for Jesus to return. Now, I wanna close out today a little differently. Okay, I don't wanna tell you anything else. I want you to get involved in the battle. So I want you to stand for a moment, and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 up here on the screens. And I want you to read this out loud together with me. These words were written for all of us. So would you read with me? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for who you are and we are thankful for all that you do. And we are thankful that you have not let us alone in this battle. We're thankful that you've sent your son, Jesus. And we're thankful that in the same way that you have opened the eyes of Elisha's servant, that you can do the same for us. Would you open our 
eyes to see that there is a battle raging around us and it is a battle for souls. It is a battle that, and the enemy is fierce. He is evil, but he is not to be feared. Jesus, your name is stronger. There is power in who you are. There is power in what you've done. Help us to stand firm in the victory that you claimed over sin and death. Help us not to be afraid but to be empowered by your Holy Spirit, to put on the full armor of God and to cry out for you for the help that only you can provide. Would you help us to be faithful to you in this battle and to even see victories? We love you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray.